Traveling the Vortex We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 543, where corridors are just more interesting when you design them yourselves. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going? Pretty good. Designing it any goes. good corridors lately? <laughs> no, but I built some shelves. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Holly was looking for, we were trying to figure out a way to do it. We hit our game shelf downstairs has always been overflowing and it's three shelves hooked to the wall and it just, it's not really easy to get the board games in and out of there. So Holly was online, she was looking around and somebody had mentioned on a site she was on that there was this uh, shoe rack at, or on uh, Amazon.com that uh, actually doubles really well for a games um, shelf. And so we thought, well, okay. And we got it, and it's actually pretty easy to put together. It's tedious because there are a lot of parts, but easy mm. to put together. But the game's looking fantastic. I'll have to show you guys a picture because it, it's, like, really cool. <laughs> I feel like a board gamer now. Ooh. <laughs> nice. Did you guys watch anything this week? We did a double feature on date night. We uh, we found ourselves sans shy, and we're kind of making plans for a nice quiet evening in, and suddenly went, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was very much that moment in uh, in Bedazzled where Brendan Fraser goes, "Uno momento," mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> so we we went out to the theater and uh, saw the new Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. How'd you and like then, it? Followed that up with Shazam 2. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is awesome. It, it, it is just a, a top-notch, fun, thrilling, exciting, uh, audience-pleasing, good old time at the movies. A lot of laughs, a lot of excitement. It's a, it's a good movie. And yes, Glenn, I, I loved that cameo. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> My kid was like, what? <laughs> I'll tell you later. <laughs> and then uh, Shazam 2 wasn't bad. I mean, it was, it was uh, you know, in that uh, vein of cute, uh, since it, it doesn't have quite the same uh, level of uh, heaviness to it that uh, it seems like most superhero movies have. But you know, neither did the first one. Um, but uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. So yeah, we had a good what time. I enjoyed the first one. It was a little more mindless entertainment. Yeah, very much. This one fits right in that. Uh, you know, more of the same. So they were enjoyable. Keith, what'd you watch? I didn't watch anything. Started a couple things, not finished them yet. Mm. So not going to comment on them until I see that all. <laughs> My youngest has been bugging me about seeing uh, the uh, 1993 Super Mario's movie, the Mario Brothers movie. So um, Sean was able to help us out, get a hold of that, and we watched that on Saturday. And hey, that movie's not that movie's not as bad as people make it out to be. I'm more, how, how did it go? I'm a bit. Well, he liked it. He thought it was it was. I mean, he he liked he thought it was campy fun. He didn't think it was a great movie or anything. But um, but yeah, we both we both enjoyed it. And I, I mean, it is such a product of its time. It's just very Demolition Man meets Super Mario Brothers. Um. And just the right amount of campy scenery chewing from <laughs> Dennis Hopper. <laughs> uh, of course, you know, I, as, I had seen it before, so this was my second time around. As a uh, kind of generic sci-fi actioneer, I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not a good movie, but it, right. it, it, it's just a fine. As a Super Mario Brothers film, yeah, it kind of is terrible. Right. And Mason, very loose connections yeah. to Super Mario Brothers. And Mason, you know, kept, appreciated the um, connections that it had, little mentions it would have, or little things that it you know related to. Um, and then the other thing we watched, just because we've been meaning to watch it for a long time, was the uh, movie Pixels, which is another one I think people give too hard of a time. It's not a bad film. It's there's there's some silliness in it from time to time, but. I mean, I, I had a good time watching it. I don't think the the plot is as terrible as people make it out to be. I mean, it's it's very 
unbelievable in in many places and i don't just mean pixelated aliens coming down to earth i mean (laughs) things that happen in it are very unlikely but um i thought it was fun i i think uh josh gad's a little over the top in his characterization but it was i liked it i enjoyed it it's you know not at the top of any best movie of all time lists but it was good and i know i'm in a minority on that one (laughs) so 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 what other uh What other uh, game adaptation movies do you guys have uh, planned? Um, we want to see the well. It's not a game adaptation. We want to see um, the Wizard with Fred Savage from the late eighties, early nineties. Um, but we haven't been able to run that one down yet either. So I think that's the only one other one we've got on our radar right now. No Battleship, huh? No, no, no. <laughs> No, no, no. Um, we might watch Rampage, but <laughs> Rampage I heard was a lot of fun. But it wasn't bad. I liked Rampage. You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Kheshki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. got a um, blu-ray in the mail actually got it last week but i didn't have enough time to look at it in order to uh, talk about it until this week but i thought we'd uh, i'd do this as uh, one of our something new two minute reviews i got got blu-ray in the mail what is this i got 90s netflix (laughs) i got doctor who uh william hartnell complete season one which is what it's called here in uh, region one which is still terrible, but <laughs> it just insults my intelligence when they change things like that. You mean for... season two? What did I say? Season one? You said one. You did say oh, I meant one. season two. Sorry. Well, if I got I season one, I, if I got season one, I was in on something. Yeah. New to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shh. Don't tell anybody. Just real quick, it's uh, it's a great little Blu-ray. It's th- it's actually one of the ones I've been looking forward to the most, which because well, the other, you know, Tom. Seasons, obviously, are, are from my era and my favorite Doctor. And I liked all the modern Doctor... Well, modern. <laughs> all the my era Doctors that, that I have. I, I was really excited for this one because I wasn't sure how these would come across. Um, the restoration, or I say restoration, the upconversion looks pretty good. Um, what they did on this one with the Crusade is pretty standard. I couldn't tell any different. There's the two uh, reconstructed episodes that the BBC put together from uh, Telesnaps. And it's not any better or any worse than the uh, Loose Cannon adaptation that they did. I haven't been through all of the special features, but I did take a look at some of the new ones. Uh, The In Conversation, Matthew Sweet interviews uh, William Russell for one of the uh, In in Conversations. You know, I didn't learn anything new about Doctor Who, his time with Doctor Who from that conversation. But what I did find out is that he, when he starts talking about being in the Royal Air Force, that man opens up. <laughs> really opens really? up. Uh, the other one was with uh, Maureen O'Brien. And uh, that one's a really fascinating interview. I did not know that she was a, a, a noted writer. She's written some mysteries uh, novels over the years. I also watched a couple of the Behind the Sofa features, which is where the all-star Doctor Who cast um, watch along some of the uh, movie, or the movies uh, episodes that are on this disc set. And then the other thing I got a chance to look at was the, uh, there's a documentary on here, full-length documentary, um, called Searching for um, David Whitaker. And I didn't realize that there's not a lot known about David Whitaker. So Toby Haydock sets out on a journey to interview some people about him and about his time with uh, Doctor Who and, and kind of even his early life before that as an actor. But like, that's as far as I've gotten. The box art is great. I was a little skittish when I saw how they, when they released it. Um, I didn't think William Hartnell looked all that much like I mean, it looked like William Hartnell, but not. There was something wrong with it. But when I get when I get it in my hand and I look at it, it looks fine. So I don't know what the difference is. Maybe it's a colorization thing or something. But I, box yeah, art it's looks funny great. you mention that because I thought that too. Looking at the picture of yeah. the box art, when I was like, "Why does this look slightly off?" 
I'm thinking that too when I look at the box art for the new Pertwee one. But I've had a lot of people say when they got the in the UK that already have it, when they got it in their hands, they said they thought the same thing, that it didn't look as strange as it did when they first saw it. Maybe I'm just getting huh, used to it. But. Anyway, that's my uh, something new two-minute review. I've got some more stuff to, to delve into on that disc set that uh, we'll obviously talk about when we come around and talk about some of the Blu-ray sets. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right, should we move on to news? Yes, they have announced Jinx Monsoon is going to be joining the show in the new series in a major role. Now, Jinx is an award-winning actress, singer, and two-time RuPaul's Drag Race winner. I had never heard of Jinx before today. Uh, She won the fifth season of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and then the seventh season of the uh, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. So she came back and took that one as well. I think I saw that she... Queen of Queens. Yeah, I think I saw she just came off of uh, Broadway. She played uh, Matron Mama Morton in the the musical Chicago. Yeah, it looks like that. Pretty exciting. I don't know that much about her either, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. It's more than anything just nice to keep getting tidbits and news about what's coming, yeah. knowing that oh yeah, we still have new stuff coming. Right, right. Even beyond unlike, the even beyond the sixtieth anniversary. Yeah, unlike Chibnall's tight lockdown where we didn't hear absolutely anything. Right, right. <laughs> ever. Now we actually get some announcements and stuff, which is kind of refreshing. They all say who, who is Doctor Who? Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. Well, should we move on to our review? Yes. We were going to start with Ambush. Um, This is a short um, comic, about two pages, uh, six, eight panels. Uh, In the book, Dalek, The Astounding Untold Story of the Greatest Enemies of the Universe by George Mann. It's just really kind of a a little splash page. I've noticed that George Mann has sort of taken the War Doctor as sort of his baby, if you notice, because he's written a few things, uh, including Infernal Engines uh, for the War Doctor. So I think he's sort of taken the reins on some of this, and and I wouldn't be surprised if some of the War Doctor and War Doctor Begin stuff has been written by him. But pretty much what it says, the Doctor and his, I presume, companion at this time is uh, ambushed by a fleet of Daleks. And um, he decides that now it's time to finally go back to Gallifrey and talk to Rassilon himself. It feels very much like a setup to another story that I really want. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing, and I wondered, <laughs> the complete guide, the reason that I put this in the uh, rotation here is because the complete guide that we use um, has it before the story we listen to. That would be why I put it in that order. Um, but I'm wondering if maybe this goes better after this. Although, as we'll talk about when we review the, the um, audio... He, he's been back to Gallifrey. I mean, obviously he's been working in uh, conjunction with that and, and for Gallifrey, but it seems, it sounds like he's been back now actually to Gallifrey proper. So I suppose maybe this could fit where it does. And this is before, you know, this is where he actually goes back in, in to the planet itself. 
Uh, I know that it, it, there's some account in the last story that, you know, there were some uh, uh, adventures that happened, um, let's say off screen, but, you know, between actual stories that we're, we're getting. And so this obviously could have been uh, slided in there as well. But um, what I liked about this is the fact that we get a good look at it. And I mean, it's an artist rendering, but it's a, a very good artist rendering of a young mm -hmm. John Hurt and exactly what I think he would look like at this time coming off of, you know, fresh regeneration. We've gotten some, I think, some really good artwork on the covers for the Big Finish audios as well. And so I'm really it really kind of drills home how much physically he aged between his regeneration into the war doctor. And then at the end of, of that particular uh, lifespan, I think it, it really kind of drives that home. And anyway, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I agree. And it makes me, it's, it's a, it's just a, just such a quick little taste that I'm, it feels almost like it could be, even earlier in the, his timeline than this, since he also makes the statement along the lines of, well, I guess I got to join the fight more so. Or yeah. Something along those yeah. Lines. So it, 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 while it fits here, it also feels like it go, could go earlier in his timeline, even shortly after the first box set that they've done. And I have, I have to assume that this was written before, um, any of those actually came out. Well, so it could have been, I don't know that Dalek book, I think released in 2019. So it would have been right around the same time. It made me realize, um, I remember pouring over a doctor who annual back in the day, uh, that had a seventh doctor comic story versus the Daleks. And I reread that thing. I don't know how many times just because it was awesome. And, uh, this really kind of, carted me right back to that and I, I think I'm of the opinion that comics might be the best medium for Daleks because you get a bunch of great visuals and you know they are uh, they are imposing villains and you can do cool things with them uh, visually that maybe you couldn't afford to do on a TV budget mm -hmm. or uh, maybe you couldn't uh, you know can't quite realize in an audio format and because we've had them, you know, on TV and in audio, man, they still sound like Daleks mm -hmm. in my head. <laughs> that, that's kind of an automatic. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from from, from Nick, but you know, they're they're there. So uh, as far as the plot, it's like, eh, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> Whoever the this companion is of his, to, we'll never hear of again. Yeah, stuff, right. stuff's happening. I don't care. The Daleks are blowing things up. I'm happy. So, <laughs> I looked that up. It's two seven, uh, 2017. So yeah, this book. Oh, so this, yeah, it was quite yeah, this a bit definitely before. would have been out before that. So because the first box that came out in twenty one. So mm -hmm. yeah. So well, now sorry, we'll move on to. Um, War Doctor Begins Battlegrounds. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The War Doctor Begins Battlegrounds. What was your name again? I'm the Doctor, and don't worry, sooner we sort this out, sooner the planet's safe. What? Did he say the planet? It's happening when the beam shines on them. Snow this side too. Back, get back. They're, they're, they're growing! Surrounding the cottage. What's happening out there? Doctor! It's the rocks! Mental energy physically affecting solid matter. Even if that worked on water, reshaping rocks so easily is... The power it must have access to. What's she going on about? No idea. Come on, run! Run! You never run up a down escalator? No! First time for everything, move! You believe a Time Lord, who just tried to kill us, by the way, over me? But where are we going? Where? Scarrow. We've been fighting this war since we were slime on Scarrow. The Temesis is a game changer. It could win this war. And we've given it to you, Commander. A bribe. That's what this great big Hulk is. I'm a pal, not a Time Lord. We still have honor. Who was that? That was your captain agreeing to give this ship to the Daleks. Berserker Army is currently engaged in a pincer movement around Sendelene and Herrick. Estimated complete loss of all lives in the city by 0630 hours. You in the cloister! 
with a big sword. I said you won't want to be standing there. Me? Me in the cloister? Right you are. Why not? Well, because a berserker Dalek advance party has been sent to kill me. So we run now, right? We run in the direction of the Knot Explosion. I just have to unplug all this from the TARDIS. One moment, please. I'll do it as fast as I can. Need a hand? I believe. It's a one-man job. I've heard that before. Big finish for the love of stories. The Keeper of the Lights. The Doctor and his faithful companion are on the trail of a strange psionic signals. At a remote coastal cottage, Holly, holiday makers David and Dorothy think there's something strange about the lighthouse, but the doctor can't shake the sense of an even bigger mystery to solve. I, uh, I, I wish there hadn't been a bigger mystery to solve, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of like the aspect of... I, what, I think what throws, threw me off immediately is the fact that the companion, um, Layla... She's yep. calling him the doctor, and he calls himself the doctor. Yeah, that's right. And he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, say anything about it. I thought, well, that's kind of strange. And then you kind of get the impression that this is taking place, you know, fairly present day Earth, and that's kind of weird. And then there's this relationship between this Dorothy and David, and this love triangle that I think David perceived more than actually was there, but uh, with mm -hmm. Dorothy and Malcolm, and. I, you know, it was just, it's, it's kind of chugging, you know, chugging along as, as a typical Doctor Who story. And I think I was a bit befuddled by, you know, trying to figure out where is this being placed? Why is he on earth? There's a war going on. What's happening now? So I think the reveal, the aha moment, I didn't expect, but it was a bit, bit of a relief in, in a way. And I thought was kind of was kind of cool because they I do like when I'm caught off guard and I don't realize what's happening and that for the the doctor when he starts to starts to have the realization before he's actually fully kind of come out of it um, as he's working it out I kind of thought oh okay I see why all of this has happened before but was that necessary because. If the story that they had been telling had been just a little more engaging, I think that the story overall would have been even better and the aha moment would have been even cooler. But the story they were telling almost is a contrivance in order to get to that aha moment. And I think that was what I didn't like so much about it. Yeah, and kind of a, a similar course through it, except for I noticed early on that he gave us a drop line of whatever's going on pulled my TARDIS out of the vortex. So I was like, oh, okay. So he was off to some hmm. other battle and got pulled down. Yeah. Okay. That's, that. that's where we are. So I didn't struggle so much with fitting this into whatever's going on in the grander scheme, but more struggling consistently with the characterization of yeah. this doctor. Then it makes it okay at the end because, oh, it's all in his mind of him wanting to do what he used to do. But that doesn't make... It makes the rest of the story almost unnecessary because, yeah, it's a it's a fine Doctor Who story that needed a little more thought put into it to make it better. Um but they didn't have to do that because they had this big aha moment at the end that allowed us to just hand wave. Well, it wasn't real, so it doesn't really matter. And it's, well, why did I just listen to that last hour of this story then? Also Bing. Yeah, both of those. Um, you guys know me. I love lighthouses. <laughs> I, I love Doctor Who in lighthouses. Mm -hmm. This should have been so up my alley. And I, I, I was, I was kind of there for it. It was like, we're just going to get a kind of standard Doctor Who adventure. Okay, cool. It'll be interesting to see how the War Doctor handles a standard Doctor Who adventure instead of something big and epic and, you know, world ending with Daleks. Unfortunately, it's not a very good standard Doctor Who story. It's just kind of there at best. And then there were two drops 
um, when they mentioned the cross stitch and the Lewis Carroll quote about imagination, that's a dead giveaway mm. that yeah. something is wrong. And then he says uh, something in Latin when they get to the lighthouse, which is apparently inscribed above the door, which uh, I don't know Latin, but I recognize the word imagination again. And he doesn't reveal what the quote is. He just says it. And it's like, well, okay, now you're purposely trying to hide this from me. So what is it? Is it the master of fiction? Is it the, you know, toy maker? Is it the who, who is fiddling with the strings and, and forcing him to live through this and why? So through the whole thing, I was kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. So then when it did, it was a cool, oh, okay. Until they, Bobby Ewing steps out of the shower where, you know, oh, it was, it was all a dream and nobody survived and it didn't matter because they weren't real to begin with. Mm. Well, now this is no fun. Now yes. it's, it's just not only was it kind of a middling adventure, like Keith said, well, why did I sit through it if none of it was real? And I think the biggest problematic crux of it is this feels like something that the war doctor would need to have happened to him far later in his adventures. I don't know it, if I agree with that. I, I just, I feel like if he's been slugging away at him for years, you know, subjective time that getting into a respite like this would be something he genuinely relished and maybe didn't realize how much he needed a break from it. And that's why he was a little dull to, to come around to things until, oh, wait a minute, I know what this is. And, and maybe that would have made it different. But here it's like, well, you're still kind of fitting into the role in some ways. And I just, I just don't know that I buy that you're longing for that return to normalcy already when you haven't well, really left the normalcy yet. Because we've seen in so many of the previous stories that he's still acting like the doctor, even though he won't admit it. Yeah, but it I wasn't also, until the last also, box set that we got a story where he was really kind of yeah, oh, but you I, did kill everybody. So I, I think that it's I think it's more of his I think it's more of that toxin that he was exposed to that tapped into a subconscious and it sounds like he was lucky to have broke free from it anyway. So I don't know that I think even his subconscious I think that his subconscious would have put him in a very comfort friendly situation that he wouldn't realize that he was in until obviously later. So I don't know that I buy that about it, but everything else you said, I agree with. And he also gives that line about the toxin of the only reason he was able to escape was that he had burned that part of him mm -hmm. that let, that would have let him stay in that delusion. Right. Mm, yeah. That's how he gets so out. that it almost feels like it could have been a little sooner in his storyline that okay it's him burning away his prior life in order to be the warrior that he needs to be and i think that this story could have worked a whole lot better had it not let off the box set too because the whole time i'm sure they wanted us to be on our back foot of well this doesn't feel like the war doctor what's going on here but it just helped it kept me from getting engrossed in the actual story knowing that wait wait a minute why are they just disregarding everything that this doctor should have been gone through so far? Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me, there's an episode of uh, the animated Superman series called for the man who has everything. And it's this kind of bizarre elseworld story about Superman and he's living a perfect life with Lois and they have a kid and you know, all the villains have been jailed and you know, they're on new Krypton and everything is just, hunky-dory wonderful and you're kind of wondering when is the shoe going to drop what's going on and then it does and it's revealed that apparently there was an alien parasite that attacked clark in the uh fortress of solitude and batman had to cut it off of him and be the one to bring him out of it and go yeah so i just ripped you away from the only thing that would have made you happy sorry about that <laughs> and it's just this devastating gut punch of a oh Wow, <laughs> how much does he hate Batman now? <laughs> um, it feels a lot like that, but not as well done. Mm. Mainly because the, the, the doctor doesn't have a Batman. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but he's Batman and Superman in this case. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I felt that while the actors did a good job, I didn't recognize Emma Campbell Jones's voice when she was doing Layla. I thought she sounded kind of familiar, but I'm not don't know her voice well enough. And Adele Anderson put enough of an accent on Dorothy that I didn't recognize her as Tamazan. Yeah. And same with Ken Bones, who, you know, has been, he's the, the bald general dude from Day of the Doctor. Yeah. I didn't recognize his voice at all as David. So it's. Yeah. They, full they props tried. to the cast because I didn't recognize any of them until I listened to the behind the scenes stuff and went, oh, really? Yeah. You know. Because that kind of gave it a Wizard of Oz quality to it. but Yeah, and I wish I could have keyed in on that while listening to it. And that would have made me more intrigued. Well, wait, wait a minute. This isn't real. Giving me the clues earlier on to know that something was up and probably made me more looking for more stuff in the story. And would have distracted me from the fact that there wasn't as much of a plot. Yeah. Entirely possible. Well, should we move on to the next one? Please. Temestus. Fighting alongside the Time Lords against their common enemy, some Thals have realized this collaboration is not between equals. When this new battle, sh- when his new battleship is stolen, the War Doctor must convince his old allies that they are on the same side. So, there are parts of this that I really dug, but I don't know that it holds together cohesively as a story for most of it. Why not? I think we kind of get wrapped up in the machinations of is the captain a bad guy or not? Uh, you know, is the XO power hungry or not? They they kind of drop these clues early on as the, the, the story unfolds. And then we've got, I don't know what, three times the bridge changes hands and all of it winds up being dropped because, Oh, there's a greater threat. We all have to team together now. And then that threat is, you know, it just, culminates almost too quickly there was no dramatic oomph to to that whole part of the story it was pretty much just a matter of you know i liked the idea of the doctor building this ship and that this was the ability that it had it's like okay cool we've got you know chameleon technology it's like cloaking devices all right cool i'm all for this i love starship porn that's what this felt like it's like okay great and then Oh, there's a Time Lord bomb attached to it. And, uh, you know, it just, everything resolved way too quickly. It, was, it just felt like there wasn't a big. You gave me a ticking clock, but then we never had the countdown of the ticking clock. Does that make sense? And when we turned it off, it was just an afterthought of, oh, yeah, okay. Well, it just, I turned the, the engine off and now there's no power to the bomb. What? I don't know. I sort of like and a, and a drop line of oh well, we couldn't do that in space because then we'd be dead. Well, I sort of like. Yeah, I, I mean, sort of like that though okay. because it kind of. I like that because, in uh, in her desperation for uh, Tamazan's uh, desperation for him to defuse a bomb that he says that he probably can't defuse anyway. I like the fact that it is a, it is something as simple as, hey, now that... I, I, it's almost like it brings back that element of the Doctor of he's always kind of calculating... He's always a step ahead of everybody else. He's always thinking one step ahead of everybody, which makes him the smartest man, often the smartest man in the room. And so I sort of like the fact that he had that he never really lied about not being able to disable that bomb. And I don't think he ever could have really disabled that bomb or, or yeah, disabled it from going off, it from detonating. And so I think knowing that he now he just pulled the plug on the power, I don't know, I kind of liked that. I thought it was a nice, a nice simple answer, especially when it, there, it, we just came through, I think, some pretty high-stakes, intense uh, scene just prior to that. Uh, so I, I actually liked that about this. I didn't think that was too too simple. I think my problem more of was it seemed like they escaped the Daleks a little too easily. Because didn't they just dematerialize and well, he, escape? No, they, well, yes, but he, because he had tied the ship into his TARDIS, 
He used oh, the okay. fast. He he says this. He used the fast that's return right, switch, that's right. and that's why they ended up back in the uh, uh, the docking bay on Gallifrey because he used his fast re- return switch, which we hadn't heard much about that uh, fast return switch for a long time. So I kind of thought that was a cool little. Oh yeah, I forgot he has that. <laughs> What's cool about this story is. <laughs> I hadn't thought about what the Thals were doing in the, during the Time War. Of course, yeah. they would have some involvement somehow. And the fact that they enter the war in this way and the Doctor essentially trying to use them in order to get back behind enemy lines and destroy everybody. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But yeah, because their uh, DNA, they'd be undetectable because their DNA is so, so similar. Yeah, that was, well, and, that was clever. Yeah, and then the chameleon cir- circuit would allow them to mm-hmm. appear like Daleks from the outside. Right. Yeah, and all of the ideas of it are really well thought out. It's just gets a little. While the politics of the Thals are is interesting, it just starts to get bogged down a little too much in the politics of the Thals. I think another thing that I liked about it though was the fact that yeah. The Thals are very, it's very characteristic with the Thals because when you think about it, they've been at, they've been at war with the Daleks the longest of anybody, even more so than, than Gallifrey. And so I think that I like the, the idea of this captain deciding, although going about it the wrong way, but this captain deciding that he just need, needs a break. And there are a lot of people that just need a break. So if he can broker a deal and get the Thals on the side of the Daleks, at least temporarily, he they'll get some downtime, at least till they can regroup and, and figure out, you know, what further to do. And I think it's very obvious that the, that the Time Lords are taking advantage of the Thals, too. And I think they, they feel that way. So I sort of like that concept of the captain, but I think it it gets lost in the the whole back and forth of, well, you know, they snuck out. Oh, wait, the doctor was on board because he knew they were going to sneak out. Oh, wait a minute. They, you know, were able to get away because the Time Lords let them get away because they're going to set off this bomb behind. I think it just gets a little muddled in all of that back and forth espionage spy element. Um, who Who's ahead of who? And so I think that all gets kind of muddled. But I, I liked the idea of this captain sort of, looking out of desperation to do something just to kind of give his people a break. Yeah, I like that also. But at the same time, they're also been at war with the Daleks for so long. They should know that any respite given by the Daleks is not going to be much of a respite at all. Well, I I think a sane person would, but I don't think this, <laughs> I don't think this captain was too sane. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> and he, and he had great motivations, I yeah, thought, for did. why he did all he did. I mean, it wasn't very a very well thought out plan on his part, but I liked the reason why he wanted to do all these things. Yeah, yeah, made you made you see his point of view. Yeah, I'm not sure so much about the slap on the wrist at the end, but I suppose the doctor said he'll have to live with the death, with especially his XO's death for the rest of his life, and that's punishment enough. I suppose maybe that's true, but it still seems a little empty and hollow that he just gets pretty much off scot-free. Yeah, because he's pretty much the only one that survives, isn't he? Um, yeah, he and the Doctor. Yeah, the Exo dies, the Helman, Helmsman dies, or Gideon, whatever his name was. Mm-hmm. Gilder. Gilder. All right, not much more to say about this one, so let's move on to the final one in this series, which is probably the strongest. Rewind. Lacuna is on the brink of destruction, attacked by a new breed of Dalek. But every day it's pulled back from that brink, and everyone prepares to live through the end of their world once again. One strange man, alone in his castle, holds the key to Lacuna's ultimate salvation, or its annihilation. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I like this one. Although this I'm not quite sure I understood the end, but <laughs> I don't. I think that's the point of point, the end. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think this is probably the best War Doctor Begins story we've had. Oh, really? I think I, so. think I would agree with that. That's saying a lot. I don't know that I would go that far, but it's certainly up there at the top. War Doctor Begins, not the John actual John Hurt stuff. Yeah, no, I I think in that the first, stuff with John I think I like some stuff in that first box set better than that. This, but I this is what it. this. 
Go, Go ahead, ahead, John. I just say I, I I appreciated that they managed to do a Groundhog Day story without some of the normal trappings of a Groundhog Day story because Doctor Who has done time loops before, obviously. Um, but the way this one was done and and doing it really kind of Doctor Light um, and and focusing you know on the horror of remembering that you're wiped out day after day after day after day. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, I think this is everything I was wanting in a War Doctor Begins story. It is, you know, it, well, he's not in it heavily once he gets involved. He's yeah. <laughs> heavily involved. Um, it's the Doctor trying to do the right thing, but still failing at it. And he's trying to save this planet unknowingly well and partially knowingly just because he's trying to do this putting the entire planet through hell mm -hmm. and that is the sort of moral dilemma that i feel like the war doctor has has had to tackle throughout the time war this is the sort of conflict that he's trying to do the right thing but is also doing horrible things at the same time trying to do the right thing mm -hmm. and this feels like it balances that line perfectly and the the moral they, ambiguity of it. Yes, and then the ending of where it's not entirely clear on if he comes back and saves them, or I walked away from it going, oh, well, he didn't figure out a way to do it, and they all died. And so this is another planet's death on his shoulders to wear him down to the point we see him later down the road. I think they all but telegraphed that with the green line. I mean, the, the green line is him leaving, him running off. And they yeah. they say that early on. She's She she realizes that. Uh, not, I say early on. I mean, earlier than the end. And so I think it sort of telegraphs that that's probably the conclusion you're meant to draw from it, is that he does get away, but, you know, does he come back and, and save them? Or was that the only way that this could end? Because all of those all of the weavings of time, the failed um, attempts, you know, were what she said, blue and, and red, and there was the only one green, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they didn't have to, the, the beauty of the ending being, I think, kind of ambiguous, is they, they certainly of? set us up. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, really. No, it wasn't kind of ambiguous. It was it ambiguous. It was ambiguous, <laughs> and they did that on purpose. Yeah. They, they have certainly set us up for failure. Yeah, yeah. They, they they have shown us the thread. They have told us that, you know, the only way this is going to work is if he leaves. And he does. And then the world ends. Mm -hmm. And it goes to silence. And so, you know, it, it is ambiguous from the standpoint of, well, okay, did he make it back or not? And we get a long pause with no sound before the credits roll. They could have thrown another TARDIS noise coming in as if he was coming back, which would have given us some hope. They could have, you know, left with just the, and you know, the destruction of everything, Dalek voices or whatever, but it's just silence. And it, I, for me, it's just as eerily effective as, as her shock, not having any music during the end credits. It's, it's just kind of mm -hmm. that kind of wham potent moment. And I loved it. I love the fact that it's, you know, open to interpretation, that you can kind of believe whatever you want. And it's also open, as they say in the bonus features, they open it up to the fact of, okay, the War Doctor maybe couldn't solve this problem, but maybe a later incarnation, now that the 11th Doctor kind of remembers everything, maybe he goes back and fixes it after the fact. Yeah. And I like that idea, too, because it still leaves the weight of what he did on the War Doctor but allows the doctor himself overall to possibly, you know, save a planet when he thought he couldn't. Another subroutine that the sonic screwdriver is running in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I left the end of this with the impression, at least personally, my canon for it, the impression that he does eventually, whether it be the war doctor, whether it be, as you've said, maybe a future incarnation of the doctor, it goes back and does save them. Um, and the reason that I came to that conclusion is because of the way they open this, the way they open this is her recounting the steps up to that day. 
and then we don't get any of that sort of logging later. But that, to me, is her telling this story and setting us up and then the story playing out, you know, in, in just dialogue between the characters. But she's sort of kind of still telling this story. And to me, that's in the future beyond these uh, events. And so that's why I kind of walked away with it as, am I meant to believe that perhaps he was successful to come back and, and save them? So that's where I sort of landed on it. That's very clever. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, if she's narrating the story, she almost has to have survived it. Yeah. See, yeah. and I, so I, I noticed that the narration stopped after her, the phone call with her mom. Right. So I got the impression that the narration was her telling her mom oh. everything that had led up to that point. Okay. Oh. That's a good point too. I hadn't thought of that. So it, that's one of the great things about this story though, is that you can take it multiple different mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I couldn't pick this story apart except for the one thing that just kept nagging me is this, this is like 430 times around that this had happened to them. And I think I got somewhere that it, everything kind of happens in the scope of about three hours. Mm-hmm. And I sort of thought that's almost a lot of time. And maybe we're just at that very end where everybody's so wore down that they're just going through their normal routine every day. But part of me kind of felt like it was missing that groundhog element of, trying other things trying to leave you know or try to just commit suicide before they even get there just something that was missing was that they there were there weren't other efforts it just felt like they were going through the motions every day and it's not until she gets that glimpse of the lights at the castle that she decides to actually go and do something different. And it just doesn't seem like that would be 430 some times around that somebody would finally do that. But I'm not going to fault the story for that. That was just something I felt was missing that should have maybe either been addressed or looked at in some way or, or given an explanation for why. Yeah. I think there was a little bit of that in there. I saw a little less. I didn't, I didn't, that, didn't really bother me, I guess, because they, they also had talked about, well, we're going to try and using four nukes this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it did feel like the, the main hub was was trying new things, but they had almost become resigned to the fact of, well, there's no point anymore because everything we try to do isn't going to fix the problem. Yeah. The I other part of this. Minor niggle. <laughs> and, and they, they yeah. seem to be a bit of a primitive I mean, they, she talked about they use computers, but only what they need. So I suppose there's not like there's any sort of probably any sort of transport off of the planet either that they could have mass evacuated either. So I suppose yeah, they, they do give you enough of that explanation that they're a very simple race that they, they probably wasn't much more they could do. It almost feels like our own society current day trying to go up against Daleks. Yeah. And not, we wouldn't have much luck either, <laughs> especially if these are new Daleks that you know are even worse than what we've previously seen. Right, right. Well, it's a good other, story. Other, good story, though. The other great thing about this story, I think, is Ignis herself. the mm-hmm. The characterization and the writing and the acting of it is so well done that it just it sucked me in the entire time. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that as well. I thought she was a great character. And I think would have made a gr- one of those characters that would have made a great companion. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she's very creative and very poetic. And I think just that's her position in the government too. Is, mm-hmm. And so the character's really kind of built around that idea. And it works really well. Well, and the idea that, okay, this, this, um, I forget the, their titles, um, Minister of Poetry yeah, is now thrust into a higher position because mm-hmm. of all of this thing. And how do you, how does someone like that deal with what they're dealing with in addition to the time loop is just, yeah, such cool ideas throughout the entire thing. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. 
Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories. So you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. All right, well, what do we got coming up next on the schedule? Okay, well, coming up next on the schedule, we have uh, our uh, more 60th anniversary tie-in, which, uh, for those of you that followed along last week, Glenn explained is uh, we're kind of uh, doing, a, I don't know, there's a backdoor pilot, maybe is the wrong way of saying it, but we're doing a couple of comics that we have to read in order to get to the comics where Beep the Meep is introduced. There you go. So that we're ready for Beep the Meep when he shows up in the in, in one of the anniversary specials. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, next week is The Iron Legion, which was originally published in Doctor Who Weekly from Panini, number one through eight, which is a fourth Doctor comic. And then the comic strip adaptations, Doctor Who and the Iron Legion, which is a big finish audio that covers the comic book. So we're pairing those two up to uh, uh, do a little compare and contrast. And I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm so excited because I bought that Dave Gibbons collection at Planet Comic Con he like 12 gets, years ago. And I'm finally going to start reading it. <laughs> It's been sitting on the shelf waiting, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, uh, Iron Legion is not in that one, by the way. Yeah, it is. Don't <laughs> you don't think I haven't flipped through and looked at some of the pictures already? <laughs> one does not own a Dave Gimmons collection for 12 years and not look at the pictures, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I believe the plan is to return to... Uh, the world of the war doctor begins with the fourth box set. He who fights with monsters. That is correct. So that is, that is coming up next. And you can find us at our website, travelingthevortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link and consider supporting us. Uh, when you become a patron of this podcast, you unlock more audios and specials from us. And uh, we just, just uploaded our most recent uh, Great Traveling of Vortex uh, Doctor Who quiz and uh, trivia quiz. And uh, that's number four. And I took the mic again this time. And we want to pop in there and see uh, what you can uh, get right. Let us know. Um, if you get to give even just a few dollars a month, that helps us keep the lights on here. Also consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. And then make sure you join in the conversations on our listeners forum on Facebook. Anything else we need to do before we close this one? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.